All right, everybody, welcome back to the Boys Are Eternal podcast. This is episode 12. Today we got Matt and Tom, and we are joined by... Greg. Greg. So, a little bit about you. Uh, This is from your little packet thing that you sent me. So, uh, you were born in Romania, but you're currently living here. Uh, You're a rising star striving for success with no means of stopping or giving up. You're 22, and you've been doing this for six years, about? Yeah, that's Um, about right which you've used to drive your original production. Uh, music wasn't your first career path. You actually came here to play college tennis, is what it said. Uh, yeah. And your song, In the Darkness, which has 98,000 plays on Spotify, released on the 31st. That's your your one that you have out right now. Um, yeah. So I guess the first question, what kind of got you into DJing outside of like playing? Because you came here to play tennis, but yeah. you ended up being a DJ. How actually, I got a question before that. Yeah. If you're tall as shit, why isn't basketball? So my mom wanted me to play tennis when I was young. And uh, one of our family members came into town and he was a tennis coach. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to make some money on the side. So like that. They were like, okay, we're going to give our son to learn tennis because we want to help our other family member with some money and stuff. And uh, then it turned out that I was kind of playing good tennis and then my mom wanted to make me play professional tennis. That was her dream. But uh, then I started doing music and she's kind of mad, but right now she's happy. She's yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with, with your question... Um, I started doing music because it was getting me pumped before a tennis match. So what I would do, I would just uh, go into radio mixes that were like two, three hours. And I was just like cutting certain songs and remixes that other DJs were playing in that radio show that I liked. And I was listening just certain parts before a tennis match. And that's how I was like, okay, what is this? And someone told me it's called DJing. And then I bought a controller. And then I learned how to actually DJ. And then when I wanted to take it to the next level, I figured out that you need to learn how to produce more than how to actually DJ. So that's the stage where I'm at right now, trying to like producing and trying to like make a new song that's good or something. Yeah. So what would you say, like, who are some, like, obviously, like, the radio DJs you listen to, were those kind of the people that, like, inspired you to start becoming a DJ, or were there, like, other people? Well, so, one of my uh, tennis um, partners, his name is Cosmin, uh, he's older than me, so I was, like, 12, he was, like, 20-year-old when he was playing, and he was hitting with me sometimes, and uh, he comes to me, and he's like, oh, did you hear uh, Dimitri Vega's new song? And I'm like, I don't know who's Dimitri Vegas, what music is that? So uh, I played one uh, song from them, and then he sent me another song from Martin Garrix, that was Animals. And when I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is like some new type of music that I never heard before, and I liked. And basically, I think he started me, and then I just got inspired watching all these big DJs performing at Tomorrowland or Ultra or big festivals, and then I was trying to see what they're doing and kind of follow their path. How do you go from being in Romania to coming here and start DJing at clubs? Uh, yeah, so, so that, that's funny because when I came here, I didn't know any English. Mm-hmm. So I came here knowing Who just Romanian. You? You're, you're pretty good at your English. You're thanks, <laughs> thanks. So 
my first tennis coach in the United States was uh, from Mexico and uh, his name was Manny. I lived with him in Texas and he was talking non-stop English and basically that's how I learned English just by listening to him so much. Uh, some people thought he was annoying but I was enjoying it because I was <laughs> learning, you know. So, so yeah, that's how I learned English. I stayed with this guy for like a year and a half and then once college started, I learned even new words, and then I had to take the SAT before that, and that's how I expanded my vocabulary too. Where'd you go? Like, what college were you going to? So I went actually here. I went to oh. UNO for like three and a half years, mm -hmm. and then my last semester, I decided that I wanted to do music, which was a tough decision, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and uh, I chose just to like do music and focus on music full time which uh, I was really happy with this decision because while I was in class and playing tennis and doing everything, it would take my whole schedule and I never had time to like stay and focus on music. I would have like 30 minutes a day or something like that because I had to practice all day and then homework that I was even struggling with that too. So once I stopped everything and I focused on music, that's when more things happened, you know? Yeah, for sure. So how did you get like like how does someone like go about like coming up to like the clubs? Cause like we went and we saw you oh, way what? back Two, when, four, almost four weeks ago at a yeah at Rhythms Lounge. I yeah. can't remember what I think it was the Jersey Night theme. That was like the oh, first yeah. time we'd ever been to like a club like that at all. So oh, like nice. how do you like get uh, like do they come up to you? Do you come up to them? Like how does that work? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question because a lot of DJs are trying to get booked and. It's kind of like a hustle. The most important thing that differentiates DJs is if you produce music and not just DJ, and then how many streams your music that you produced has, and your fan base, but your fan base on like Spotify or Apple Music, on platforms that you need a music distributor that checks music originality. So it's not that easy to get like into like the legit area of DJs and separate from the other thousands of people that are DJing everywhere. And then you still don't get bookings on top of that. So uh, in order to throw these parties at particular rhythms that I'm throwing like every Thursday, uh, I had to do like a lot of work and like help the owner actually a lot with a lot of stuff that was not even DJ related. like mounting lights over there or benefiting him in a different way and uh, then he was like okay i'll give you thursday and we'll see what we, you can do and then thursdays start doing well and then he was happy and then everyone was happy and like that i kind of like secured my spot there for thursday but then the the talent is to like make people contact you because if you contact them there is, there, there's no way they are gonna book you or they are not gonna book you for your rate that you want. They will be like, hey, how can I play for free one time or something like that and maybe like that if you contact them. But what you wanna do is find a way that they see you and they contact you and get in touch with you. Like, I don't know, create some ads that are targeted on their housing zip code. And mm -hmm. there's, there's like, plenty of tricks like that you know you just look at the owner of the club address or 
the talent buyer that works with that club and create an ad that is in literally his house area and hope that he will see you so many times that will be like, okay, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Check you out and then email you, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Are you still on good terms with the, the person? Because so, I heard there's a big fight. In yeah, it. yeah. So long story short, uh, uh, in this place, especially here in Midwest, people don't really want to have 18 plus parties. That's the hardest thing I'm struggling with. And the thing that I'm against is that people that are young have a lot more energy and want to party more than old people. And I feel they're much more like going to get your message across to other people. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But like the problem is that when people are 18 plus and go in the club, the club itself doesn't really make money because they don't sell drinks and stuff at the bar. But in the same time, is on a Thursday when they would typically be closed, you know. So right. that's how you manage to do it. But then they get mad when they make super less money in the bar, and then a lot of people come to the party and pay at the door. But the problem is that I'm from Europe, and in Europe the rule is not twenty one to drink, you know, like right. we do. It's eighteen plus. And we have parties that are like 15 plus, like festivals where you go at the club and you are 16 and you go party and it's the same kind of issue here with being 18. And people still have fun and they still do it. But here in Omaha, it's kind of hard sometimes to convince people that it's still worth throwing 18 plus parties in the club, you know? Well, we, when we, had a, we had a pretty good time. The right. club is not really our scene. We don't yeah. seem like club people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, yeah. So, uh, like, what would you, as, like, the DJ, you're kind of, like, the one that's keeping the, the party going and stuff like that. Like, what kind of, what kind of emotions are you trying to get out of people at the club? Like, you're trying to get them to chill? Are you trying to get them to, like, get up and dance? Like, so... Uh, every time I go to DJ, I want to make, like, everyone happy. That's, like, my first goal, to see, like, people being happy. And, like, th- the thing I'm promoting is, like, no, like, fighting and stuff. Like, everyone being happy with each other and loving with each other. And, like, in other parts, other genres of music don't really promote love, friendship, and happiness. And that's what I like about electronic music um, and I enjoy a lot when I see people jumping like if I see them jumping it means that I'm doing well if I don't see them jumping then I'm like okay what am I playing next or like what do yeah. I need to play <laughs> to get do, them yeah. jumping you know yeah have you gotten to be able to do it full time or is it um, is DJing something that you kind of have to start as a side gig and then like move into it so I was very fortunate because the reason I did three years and a half was because I got my whole year paid off because I used to be tennis player here and I used to have a scholarship. So I got my dorm and housing and food paid up to September and I quit it in January. So I had like six, seven months to figure out where well, I didn't have to worry about food or housing. I just had to figure out how am I going to do music and stuff. So that helped me transition right away to full-time and then by September I figured out how to make music how to get some clubs how to make money out of parties how to get some bookings in other places and then 
this this is what I'm doing right now. It's just like the whole time I'm in the studio, full time working on music, and like literally in this period of time, uh, I was stressed because there's been so many parties, and with these party rhythms, I had to like do work during the week and then throw the party on Thursday. So I really had no more time to stay in the studio and produce music. But since I'm no longer with them in like really good terms, now all I'm doing is like just staying in the studio and trying to produce like a new hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm working on. We were talking to uh, a local band uh, called King's Company just uh, this last weekend. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, they said that they do a lot of their studio work at Iowa Western because a lot of the students, yeah. they need to do that for like a, a final project. So they'll produce your music for free. Where do you go to get your music produced? So, yeah. So um, this is why I was like very fortunate during the summer because we really threw a lot of parties and it happened to be like decently successful financially too. And I managed to like build my own studio home. Really? And yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty high-end studio because all the money I had, I invested it back in a studio because I wanted to be like insured if something like this happens where there's not really that many clubs here around that would want to throw my party and make money out of it. I wanted to make sure I have everything I need to produce professional high-end music, you know, which it was very expensive to build a studio. Yeah, I can that, you know, and uh, then it's uh, I live at Atlas Apartments where I build a studio and uh, I had to like soundproof it too, which was a challenge. Uh, and it worked out well because neighbors are not complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it, and it's very comfortable because I just, I wake up and I go to the room next to me and I just stay. No commute, yeah, you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. I just stay there making music. I feel tired, I go to sleep, eat, then go back make music, you know? So what would you say, because you've been to Barry's Bar down in Lincoln, yeah. you've been to Karma when it was open, you've been to Rhythms, Cube, like all that, like what yeah. would you say probably has like your favorite atmosphere, like of the places you played, what had your favorite atmosphere? So here, here there are two things. So whenever I play at Barry's in Lincoln, it is, I, I really love it over there because of different reasons. Um, they always bring production for me. So I never have to go there and bring CO2 tanks or bring DJ controller or bring speakers or bring confetti. I just go there with headphones, flash drive, and uh, I can put on a show and focus just on the entertaining side. Uh, Other than that, at all the other places, at Cubes, at Rhythms, at Karma, everywhere else, I had to like bring my own speakers, bring my own fog machines, bring my own sparks, own CO2, own lasers. So that's a lot more work that is like stage production and I kind of want to be a DJ, not stage production. And also mm-hmm. th- that's the biggest factor that I loved when I play at Barry's because they, they do everything and I can just go there and play. The disadvantage is that, that I mean, advantage and disadvantage, they are always 21 plus. So it's pretty hard to get the people constantly jumping because they want to go more and drink and chill. Uh, but um, it's I still feel good and the owner over there, Casey, feels really good about it too every time I go. So 
I still managed to make them like me somehow, which I'm very <laughs> happy, you know. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I think at Berries in Lincoln is the best place I like to play so far. Have you ever thought about like other places? Like, to me, when I think of the Midwest, I don't think of like clubs and that yeah. kind of stuff. I feel like there's more of that, like, um, like East Coast, West Coast, that kind of stuff. You ever thought about like moving over there and doing that? Yeah, yeah. The plan is to save as much as I can until August. And then in August, I'm moving to LA with my best friend. Uh, his name is Diego. We are kind of like together in this. He's more behind the scene, um, but he's helping me with a lot of stuff too. We produce music together. And when we run a show, I DJ, but he's always behind working the lights, which is basically another guy DJing in the same time because he presses buttons in a certain way that lights do a certain way and he knows my music too so like that is very convenient and i can put on a better show because the lights will always be in sync with my music but um, and uh, yeah that that's the dream to like move in la with him and just produce music is quite expensive over there but the only way to get there is if i make music that people like and then if i get there then I have like half of my dream accomplished, you know. Like, yeah. So is there a lot of like, is there a lot of big music in where you're from in Romania? Or is it is it uh, like mostly just American songs dubbed or? So when I'm in Romania, um, I was talking with my friend too back home. There's a lot of artists that are really really popular, but um, in Romania they don't know English. So they don't know English that much. Uh, they learn more German, more Russian. And uh, that's kind of like a disadvantage because English is like a worldwide language and most of the music is in English. Therefore, if artists in Romania make music in Romanian language, then they are limited to that country. You know, they can't right. really make music worldwide. So... And then they get paid whatever the rate is in Romania, which is way smaller than worldwide because the economy is way lower. So uh, I was very happy I managed to be an artist here and that I know English so I can make worldwide music rather than just in Romania, you know. Mm -hmm. Are you a United States citizen here now? Or so I just, I, I got married two years ago. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, thank you so much. And uh, I've been here with a college visa the whole time. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I know you probably know like Tomorrowland kind of things like that. Those events. Is there like one that like if you like right now they offered you kind of your dream one to go to? What would you say like Tomorrowland or something like that? Like what so, would you say? Dream? Yeah. Well, I'm always dreaming. I have a lot of posters in my bedroom too that hopefully one day I'll play at Ultra Music Festival, and I've been there for like five years in a row every year to this festival and I like just dream I'm gonna be on the stage one day you know yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so what would you say because we went over like where your kind of favorite what was your like if you had to pick one time ever that you like were DJing like what was your favorite kind of memory at any place like your favorite club oh, yeah yeah uh, so my favorite memory was uh, on Halloween this year when I played at Rhythms and I never got like a huge crowd and uh, they all start screaming Grig, my name, before I was DJing. And that was like really emotional because it was like the first time it happened, you know. Yeah, it's going to be kind of surreal. Yeah, like, right. Do you ever sit up there and just think like, holy shit, like I'm yeah. like DJing like 
I want to be a tennis player, now I'm up here. Yeah, DJing, you know what I mean? And it was weird because, like, my name is Romanian, it's Grigorescu. And then I shortened it up because everyone in Romania calls me Grig. And I was like, will this work worldwide or not? And right. I was like, there's other artists like Greece and Greece, Greek, whatever. But like after Halloween, I heard everyone screaming Greek, Greek before I was starting the show. And I was like, okay, Greek is a good name. Like yeah. I was no longer worried, you know. What did your parents uh, think when you're going like, hey, I want to be a, I want to be a DJ? Uh, What's their reaction? Were they like, go for it? Or were they like, I am see you in the basement? Of the <laughs> it was more like the second one. Uh, really? Like, yeah. Because I played tennis for, I don't even know, like 14 years of my life. 13, since I was six years old, I played tennis. I'm 22 right now. So, like, my whole life has been just tennis, professional tennis, playing every day, uh, some most of the time was two times a day training going to sleep before 10 every day waking up early in the morning like it was like really strict schedule my whole life and, and then all of a sudden I start DJing I don't go to college I like produce music and they don't know what I'm doing and I send them music they don't like it because it was in the beginning you know so yeah. I was like what are you doing I'm like you just wait uh, I think right now they are happy because they never thought I would be able to like release a song officially. So for my father it was like the second I can Shazam you and it's gonna come up your name <laughs> on Shazam, I'm gonna be happy, you know. So that happened and then I was like, okay, now now they support me. They are still worried a little bit about it, but yeah, at least they they dream with me, you know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, what would you if? someone like comes up to you and they've never been to like a club or seen anything like that like someone like us who went like yeah. before like what would you how would you explain that scene to them like how it feels and like kind of things like that like how would you explain that to someone well if someone like never been to one of my parties or something like that first of all i would offer them to come for free and have a, a, a fun time with me and i would be i would show them what I do, I'll show them some videos and stuff, and uh, I would just ask them if they want to come and have a good time with me, you know, and sometimes it happens that they don't like it, and sometimes they like it, and then I get them to come party, and then they like my music, and then they keep partying most of the time, That that's how, how it goes, but um, I'm just trying to, like, tell them that is no like violent or fighting things like that and it's not it's something that everyone can kind of understand because it's like a very main genre of music i don't really play like dubstep or trap or house or progressive i kind of like play i'm trying to play music for everyone so like everyone enjoys it you know What's your favorite like type of music? Because you said that you play EDM, correct? Yeah. So what yeah. is that? Is that your favorite, or do you kind of that's what you like, but you have like inspirations otherwhere? Yeah, I think I think I think progressive music like Kelvin Harris stuff like that or Alesso it's what I like uh, for myself the most. But then when I DJ, is whatever gets the crowd. <laughs> the, the fair, fair. You know. You know. Yeah. You're like, fuck my taste, whatever that uh, is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What do you think, um, like for someone like me, I'm kind of a wallflower. Like when yeah. I went, I went and I sat on the wall and I was one of those people. I didn't do anything. What do you, 
suggest, I guess? Do you suggest, like, getting right in the middle of the mosh pit, or do you get to work your, work your way in? Well, uh, when I have the flexibility and I'm good, like, in good terms with the venue and stuff, and I see some people that are, like, bored and not enjoying and stuff, I'm trying to, like, take them to exactly opposite area, so... Most of the time, if I have seen you, I'll try to get you on stage or something and Oof. see how that feels, you know, <laughs> where everyone, you see everyone going crazy. And then uh, I think like that, some people start having fun, you know. They told us, that cause, yeah. uh, they picked us out of the crowd. They're like, hey, you, you guys are obviously sober. Yeah. So do you think to go and enjoy those things that you have to be, you know, not sober? Or do you think you can enjoy those sober? So th- that's a really, that's a really nice aspect, even for from the DJ side too, because, uh, I don't know how this is called, so my wife brought, my wife's brother, what is that, like my wife-in-law, or how is he called? Uh, brother-in-law, yeah. Brother-in-law, yeah. Yeah, so, um, he never believes me that I am sober, because he sees all these DJs that are like always drinking, and always doing drugs and bad stuff, and, um, like honestly based on how much research i did it's like there's like three tiers of djing that like bottom djs that are trying to get somewhere and i don't know how many people care about those and you have like middle tier that are djs that are touring around and they come and they do nebraska uh, kansas and they go down oklahoma texas whatever which they make some money they sell out shows and they're all over the place doing drugs and stuff and then you have like top-notch DJs, which are like top 30, 40 in the world that play just like big festivals, you know, like Tiesto or Steve Aoki or Martin Garrix, Skrillex, stuff like that. You know that you don't really see them in Nebraska. Maybe once every three years, Skrillex will come or like those big artists that are like top in this industry. Uh, you'd be surprised that they have a very strict, healthy schedule. Um, and I think uh, I think most of the DJs are doing stuff like that, but I think that the top of the DJs have a different perspective about it. Uh, th- therefore, I don't know, every time I go party and stuff at festivals, even if I'm like 22, and even if I've been partying since I was like 14 back home in Romania, uh, I've always been like very sober and I've always been drinking a lot of water because I was jumping, you know. Yeah, must have yeah. yeah, and I watched this documentary and I was arg- arguing with my brother-in-law because you see Steve Aoki, which is, is very, was very shocking for me because you see Steve Aoki in all the videos all over the place, throwing cakes, being like without a t-shirt at the club, going crazy. And uh, you'll be surprised to find out that uh, his touring manager gets in fights with the club owners because they don't provide the right amount and quality of water he's requesting before a show and during the show. Like, you know, like you get a DJ, they'll put you like bottles of alcohol and stuff in the backstage and stuff. And then Steve Aoki comes and you'll be like, oh, look at this champagne. And he's like, where's the water like i ordered eight <laughs> bottles of water i don't see my water you know and like you know so it's like to go in on stage like if you're like sober and stuff like that like how do you get like stage fright or anything like that and like how do you get over that 
I think I think that's where sport played a big role because every time I was playing tennis, it was like very very intense, um, and I think that's what got me used with emotions and stuff. I just get I get nervous before every time I play because I'm always nervous about what if people just won't dance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what if that happens? And I'm always worried about that a little bit, but. Um, I get filled with like excitement, like just trying to maybe go around the club a little bit before and try to get the people hyped up a little bit before I start DJing. Uh, but definitely tennis helped me a lot with controlling emotions and everything. I'm gonna put a brief pause on this. Yeah. All right, so another question that we had. So we're obviously back, into, or in the darkness, yeah, uh, in the darkness is your first song. Yeah. Um, and it has 98,000 plays. Tell us a little bit, like, writing that, like, where's the inspiration from, kind of stuff like that. Yeah, so um, this is what we did, and uh, we actually made... So, uh, to start up, um, we wanted to, like, go away from here, because here everything was stressful with parties, other clubs, uh, roommates, everyday activities. So, what I did, I uh, rented an Airbnb for a week, and uh, we went in Colorado, in Boulder, and uh, we rented this Airbnb that was uh, in the middle of nowhere. I was just like literally looking, how high can I find a, a house in the mountains and separate it for everything? So we, we, we found an Airbnb from uh, a very nice family and uh, uh, they were willing to let us bring the studio and it's not that noisy when you produce music but it's some bad noise because you work on the same lyrics a hundred times and if you don't work on it and you just listen to it it might get annoying so they were cool with us recording so we took the whole studio setup from omaha we drove to boulder we set it up in one day in this house and then we did nothing for a week straight than just producing music and looking at the view which was beautiful and just trying to come up with like new inspiration and stuff like that that's pretty cool are you going to do that for like most of your music is just go be like totally isolated from society or is that just the first time you did it so that was the first time i did it Mm -hmm. it worked amazing uh and then uh, we came back we released the song and then we tried to write again, like a new song, and it didn't work out here. Yeah. And we really loved that place. We kept in contact with that guy. So uh, we went there again and recorded another song. <laughs> When's that one coming out? So, so the song, it's, it's almost ready. Um, I, have it, I have it on my phone too. I, I could play it later a little bit. Um, it's, once you have the song ready, you need like a month to properly promote it. So I'm thinking like beginning or mid of April in okay. order to like release it officially. And I don't know, I'm really, really excited. Like that's what we do all day right now. Cause it's like you record the song and then you arrange it, then you mix it and then you master it. So the hardest part and the part that you wanna be like the most original is in the creation area. So that's what's hard to come up with. So we went again in Colorado in the same house, in the same place. Uh, we just recorded as many as ideas as we could. 
and then once I came here, we tried to find time to work on it, but there were parties, and now that I have no more parties uh, that I have to organize, and that's me being a promoter, not a DJ again, and I kind of want to be a DJ, not a club promoter. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I have all the time to, to make music, which I'm like really happy, you know? Yeah. So for when it comes to making music, where so you get you get inspiration or you think of ideas. How do you not steal ideas from your inspiration? How do you make it your own? Or do you have problems with yeah. that? Because I feel like that would be my biggest problem. Yeah. It's so much, it's so much uh, computer technology that you keep changing a sound uh, and you don't even know what are you doing most of the time you're right? no, you don't know what work. you're doing you're just messing with it and then all of a sudden it sounds cool so that's how I guess you, you get original you know because that was the block that we, roadblock we had here in Omaha because we were trying to make music we we're like let's make a song and then oh this sounds like that this sounds like that but once we went like in the mountains and stuff, we just like made weird noise, like the most weird noises you'd think from floor scratching, from birds outside, or uh, the doors at the house were making a weird noise. And then you can literally in the software these days, you can record any type of noise and transform it into anything. You can make like, a, a kick or a bass out of a scratch on a table or anything. It's just like knowing how to use the software, which was months of studying, almost like years, I'd say. You yeah. Know? yeah. Not months, years, actually. You ever get like yeah. camp fever just listening to the same noise over and over again? You're just like, I fucking can't listen to this. You just have to back away. Um, yeah, it, it happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. And that's how I know. I don't really like that song, you know, or I give it a break and then I'm trying to go back to it a couple of days later and if I still like it then I work on it. Mm -hmm. If not, they remain in the middle of nowhere, you know, I just yeah. started noise, <laughs> basically. So, another one that we had, uh, another question that I yeah. had, sorry. So, what would you say, like, to someone who's, like, listening and they're like, oh, I don't, I, they're like, I like making music but I don't know if, like, they're kind of on the fence. Like, what would you say to someone who's like, I want to do it, but I just don't know. Like, maybe their parents are saying that they need to get like a full like nine to five account job or something right. like that. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah. So, the reason I stopped everything to do music is because, not because of people from music industry, is because from people from tennis industry, I would see every every successful tennis player, I would see them talking that um, they became big because they did what they love and the way I personally defined what I love it's um, something that no matter what happened in my life in terms of being broke or having money or being successful in tennis or unsuccessful or uh, going through like bad moments with my life with I don't know parents fighting or trying to get into college or finding the right college and every like stressful moment uh, whenever I was like listening music or doing music because I was still teaching and producing before but I didn't have that much time to put into it but every time I would do that I would forget about 
any of those problems even like like a relationship you know like you have a girlfriend for a long time and then you don't expect to break up you break up with a girlfriend or you, you're kind of sad for a little bit you know mm-hmm. you have to it. but uh, for me uh, that all of those affected me in tennis life like if my mom was mad on me I couldn't play tennis the same way if my girlfriend broke up with me, I couldn't train. I didn't feel like training or coaching. I didn't feel like doing that. So, or doing school whenever, I don't know, the weather was not nice. I was like, oh, I hope tomorrow is cold so they cancel school or something like that. You know, those thoughts were ever, always in my head. But I never had the thought of, oh, I hope something doesn't go so I can't make music. I, I always wanted to make music. And music was always my thing that got me like, back on track playing tennis so I was like maybe I like tennis a lot but I love doing music so I think if you're doing what you love no matter what happens I think it has to work out sooner or later yeah. you know what I mean like yeah do you play any instruments before going into this or was it just <laughs> that's another thing um, so the reason my parents never supported me it was because they kind of regretted themselves which i don't know why that they never taught me how to play any musical instrument or anything Hmm. um, which was kind of a barrier in the beginning it was harder to learn how to make music because i knew zero music theory zero everything i was like how do i put two notes together what's a chord what's and then in in a, about two years, I learned some music theory, and I still didn't learn how to play any instrument. But uh, the cool thing is that with the software these days, you don't really need to play. You don't really need to know how to play an instrument. Like I would say, the instrument I know how to play is the software. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 would be my instrument, and uh, the idea is that the more um, as an instrumental artist you are and you know so much music theory sometimes it's hard to think like outside the box and be original like if you try to put me play a song or reproduce a song because I don't know any instrument it would be impossible for me to like repeat uh, the same piano or the same chords some in some other song but the advantage I have is because is that I can be easily very original because I don't know anything, but I can tell that if I press these notes like this, it's not sounding good. So it's just more trying until I press notes that sound good. And then once I found notes that sound good together, I'm like, okay, this sounds good. And it's original because I didn't think about any theory that says you can use these notes but you can't use these notes you know right stuff like that so i'm actually happy i didn't study music my whole life and i just figured out how to make work it as you go yeah 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 so going back on your wife what does she think about the whole dj thing is she supportive or (laughs) is she thinking like all these guys uh, yeah yeah well i don't know it's hard like um this is why i'm happy doing music too because uh, sometimes you're very successful sometimes you're not successful like this summer I was extremely successful I was DJing uh, Monday to Sunday full time weeks uh, 
and I was making a lot of money because I was performing every day, you know. Uh, and then the fall started, I had less gigs. Then the club I used to work, Karma closed all of a sudden. So for two months I had no party. Then I started working with rhythms. Then I have no party again. So if you look from the outside as a person that would be close to me, uh, sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're worried. There are more feelings they have. But to me personally, I'm like, always super happy because no matter if a club closes or they kick me out or I get super rich or I get super broke where I have like no money or I have a lot of money uh, I make music and I like it and I enjoy it you know and I really love it and honestly I don't know like that might be selfish but like if some people are mad on me or don't support me that's like their own business I'm like super happy with with what I do you know right so yeah. coming from Romania, like, are there was there any like big cult? Because we knew, uh, like, a lot of our friends are in the military, so they were deployed uh, to like Korea, and they said like traditions yeah. in Korea are a lot different than they are here. Were there any like traditions here that we have that like you guys didn't have in Romania, or were there like things in Romania that you guys did that we don't do here? Like, what like what kind of shift was that coming? To the yeah, States? well, so the first shift that I had when I came here, it was that it's literally twelve hour the. Time zone difference, so it's like opposite. When I was supposed to sleep here, I was supposed to be awake, and then like that, uh, that was like the first funny thing because I never traveled so much. But then in terms of food and stuff, uh, we eat um, soup every day. Like it day so daily soup is like a thing, and it's uh, at lunch, um, and it was kind of hard to get used. Not eating soup at lunch here you know <laughs> i've never heard of that in my life you right. eat soup every day every day at every lunch yeah same yeah. soup or different soups uh, so the way my mom does it she like should make a soup and would have it for like three days and then should make a different type of soup oh okay sometimes it would be even for a week the same soup and then we change the soup but there's no day that goes without soup like soup. that's the main thing you know what i mean i have yeah. I would have never guessed. Yeah, right. If someone put that on multiple choice, well, and one of them was, we had soup every day, every I would never totally go past that question. <laughs> so, what are, like, so, what's your favorite Romanian dish, and then what's your favorite, like, American dish? Like, a food. So, Romanian dish, I, I don't think it's that Romanian, but we made it too a lot. It's more of a German dish that I like a lot when I'm eating at home. Uh, it's a schnitzel called and everyone enjoys like this schnitzel thing with french fries which is kind of like the most original thing back home uh, we also have more like romanian traditional food but i'm i'm not really that much into romanian traditional food i, I like more this schnitzel thing which is a german kind of dish uh, here in america uh, I don't know, everyone kind of eats burgers and burgers are way better than in Romania, you know, <laughs> like they are really good burgers here, so yeah, I guess it would be burgers here. With um, Romania and all that, when I think of Romania I think of Transylvania for yeah. just because I'm a basic American bitch um, yeah. is are the people there, are they balls deep on that? Do they think vampires are real? or, do, or do they, do they, Are they just over it? Yeah. So, 
uh, they still want to promote that is real because they make money out of like the museum and everything. The museum uh, of? Yeah, yeah. It's a whole. It's a. It's a whole castle. Oh, and uh, yeah, and uh, they have a really cool thing. The castle is uh, split into two halves, and one half you can go as a visitor and see it, while the other half there's no visitors access at it. And uh, they still have this challenge, where if you sleep one night in uh, the vampire castle or Dracula castle. In that side, they put you in a coffin, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Or, you know yeah. the thing where you die mm-hmm. yeah, in yeah. Dubai? Yeah, they put you in that thing. And uh, if you stay there a whole night, they give you a thousand euros. It's like a challenge where you sign on it. But uh, it's pretty creepy because like that area of the castle is like the old castle like nothing is changed like there's like spiders rats everything in there you know so it's like a real challenge yeah i i could yeah I could, <laughs> I could, I so yeah yeah uh so going back to the djing and stuff like that uh do you have because we know Zach cody's the one that got us the tickets yeah. to go to the first night do you normally travel with like that kind of is it like an entourage almost so yeah we have uh, yeah i'm very happy i have like a group of people that help me with like everything from transportation setting up the stage setting up lights uh making sure people have fun at the party promote security people so it's not you see just me on the stage djing but uh in the same time to be able to throw this type of parties i had to like create a team of like 10 to 12 people that helped me with everything with making t-shirts making clothing designing clothing working on websites and there's a lot of stuff then legalities with taxes and copyrights that's a complete uh, my best friend that uh, stays with me in the same apartment helped me with all of that stuff too so i couldn't do it by myself you know i don't do that so then yeah. the other thing is like, I mean, we're small, like we just kind of started yeah. this podcast stuff, so we don't have like a huge listening base. You have 13,000 followers on Instagram. Like, yeah. how do you market that, promote that? Like, how do you get there? So, yeah, to get there, um, I was, yeah, I, like um, a lot of people tell me like, oh, you are so good of tennis and then you quit tennis and then you start doing music and you lost everything from tennis. Well, I think it's opposite because um, tennis helped me in everything. Helped me in like how to like be stronger in life physically and mentally, first of all. And then that helps a lot in the nightlife because you don't sleep, you work a lot. And then, uh, yeah, but uh, I was like playing good tennis and that attracted me like a really big following first of all and then um i had like i had this girlfriend like i don't know like four years ago uh, that i met in california and she was all into growing fan base and i was like ah why are you trying to like grow your instagram and everything and just like let's just live in the real life you know not in the social media life you know and then 
initially the way it started is that I was a tennis player and then I broke up with her and then I was like, man, like, let's figure out what is this girl doing, you know? And uh, it was like pretty cool in the beginning, like trying to convince people to follow you and posting good content. Then it gets like a full-time job and you get no reward. And then when I started DJing, I already had like, I think I had like six or 7,000 followers the point I started DJing last year in February. And that helped a lot because the second I posted, yo, I'm throwing a party, you guys can buy tickets here. Uh, then, I don't know, a ticket was $10 and out of 7,000 people, 1% bought tickets, that's 70 people that bought tickets times 10 bucks, I posted a story and you can make like 700 bucks, you know, in posting an Instagram story. So I was like, damn, like this girl saw it, uh, saw it more in advance, you know. She was kind of looking out for you with really Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How often do you go back to Romania? And like, when you go back, do you do any of the DJing stuff? Or, or is that so, not like, Romania is not huge in the DJ scene? We, we have DJs in Romania too, but um, I haven't been home in four years, actually. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. miss it or are you just like, yeah? Um, I miss it sometimes, but... The time I want to go back to Romania would be like when I know I make it like big and that's when I want to go back home. Until then, I just want to stay here and work because there's way more opportunity here than back home. Yeah. So you said you had that upcoming song. Do you have any upcoming events that people should know about? Like, <laughs> For frame of reference, this episode probably we can get out. What well, we said April 2nd, I think. Not April. No, oh, not April. Uh, March, April. I mean, fuck. We could probably have it out like March 2nd, March 6th. I mean, is there anything coming up in March that you want people to know about? Or yeah. kind of taking a uh, Not really. I'm going to be producing music until April. And then I'm going to try to get a next level. I always want to like upgrade. You know, I don't want to like throw a party because I could maybe find a small venue with 100 people or 200 people capacity and throw a party, but I want to throw like a next level party. So the next party I'm going to try to get would be at like Sokol or like Bourbon in Lincoln or like uh, Slow Down here in Omaha downtown. And those parties cost a lot of money and you need to be decently established as an artist. So my main focus was to try to sell the artist side then sell tickets to one of my parties and promote a club. I would rather promote my music if I still have to promote something. So I guess the next big event would be releasing my song and then I'll focus on throwing a party, you know. And I mean, yeah. the best, I'm assuming the best way to get information for upcoming stuff is your Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter or uh, website. Everywhere I am, I try to like we tried to brand as good as we could. So on all these platforms, I'm Greek music or just Greek. So like that, any, anyone can find me anywhere on Spotify, on SoundCloud, Apple Music. And all these platforms added a small section where you can add concerts. So if you go on my Spotify, you will say upcoming concerts or upcoming music or anything, you know. Okay. Yeah. 
Sweet. Well, it's been fun doing this. I'm glad that you guys got. I'm glad you got to come down here. Yeah, I've, awesome. I've learned a lot. I mean, I was never big into the EDM scene. Okay. We have a friend that was big into it, but I've definitely learned a lot. So my final question: How would you say the boys are eternal in Romanian? Oh, boieti sunt eterni. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. No it was problem. Really fun having you. I think I speak for everyone when I said I had a pretty you good time recording this. You gotta, you gotta have me back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Do you guys want to listen to my song? Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me play this. You guys tell me what, what you guys think. You want to play it for the, the, <coughs> the mic or do you want us to turn it off? However you want it. We can put it on the mic. It. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's not going to record. Like, it's fine. Yeah, we can we can put it here. Let me, let me see, make sure it's the right version. Because, um, uh, okay. So, it's been like 41 versions we worked on this song. <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs> How long is it? Uh, it's three minutes and a half, and this is the forty-one version of this song. <laughs> that is the one that I'm the most happy with so far. Most probably will make a couple more, but uh, here let's see if it works. I don't have enough service here. Reception in this building is pretty small. <laughs> right? Okay, here. Cool. Okay. Thanks. We can't believe she was, she was singing for money. She did pretty good. Bro. Yeah. She pretty good. I gave her a hundred bucks, she came record with me three days. Jesus. Yeah. And that's the thing, I never saw someone singing in the street good in Omaha. You know, I see them in LA or in Denver or somewhere. I don't know how to play guitar. I just did like noises for like two hours. I mean, I thought sometimes I would make noise that makes sense, kind of, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it took me like two days to take parts of those two hour recordings. So that two hour recording, I listened to it like four or five times. One day I just listened to it 
and cut everything that I knew it sound really bad. And then I tried to get a small part and make a, a loop, you know, like an, an eight second that sounds good. And then I tried to make another portion of eight seconds and then three portions of eight seconds. So that, that's what's happening. There are like three segments of me playing guitar, but it's like small clips from a two hour recording. I relate that. I like that. Yeah, I'm thanks. ready for that to come out. That, that story about the singer, that's kind of interesting. Right. You just find him on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with my friend Diego on the stage. That, that's why I like, I'm betting everything on this song yeah. right now. <laughs> Are you going to work with her for more stuff? Or? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I wish I would have had contact with her. She was like um, like homeless. Like she had like no phone, no nothing. So if you want to write another big hit, you got to go roam the streets. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. Boulder, yeah. Colorado, right? Yeah, Jesus. yeah. She was singing in one speaker, one bad mic. And I passed, we, I went, I got dinner and I passed with my friend by her. She starts singing, and we are like, there's no way this girl is singing. She has to be, like, having it record on the phone and, like, fake singing, lip singing, or backing vocals, and the actual song is recorded or something. Man, and I went there, and I give her, like, something to sing, like an instrumental I had on my phone. And when I heard her sing, I was like, oh, we need to get this girl, you know? So I was like, look, like, and people were, like, giving her, like, two, three, four, five dollars throwing there. So I was like, look, like, we'll give you like a hundred dollars and you'll get a chance to record and make a song. And if it ever gets big, everyone makes it, you know, you make it, we make it, you know, so. Yeah. Well, if it gets as big as your last song, that's definitely <laughs> that's up there. I mean, that's good. That's our good. standard, our standard for the most plays is sixty-seven. So, <laughs> I mean, ninety-eight thousand—that's definitely something. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of it's been a lot of work. Cause it's like you can make music, but if you don't promote it, then no one is gonna like listen to it. So like, uh, every friend I had, everyone I knew, I was like, hey, can you help me with a share? Post it, share it, post it, or like something so like that helped me and build it all right well yeah. it was a pleasure having you on i, I love you. this song yeah. so absolutely hopefully maybe yeah. after i i release this other song definitely we'd be happy to have yeah. you back on after it releases yeah absolutely. so no, all right and one more time what's what's the boys are eternal in romanian um all right all right well we'll see you guys in the next episode yeah let's take